Uh, there will be a third panel member joining us eventually. Here he comes. Okay, good. God, we are grateful for who you are. We thank you for your sovereignty and your majesty. Thank you for your grace and your love. And, and uh, we just declare our total and utter dependence upon you. Uh, God, we, uh, we are praying for tonight and the subject matter we're going to handle and uh, all the conversations and all the questions and everything that we're going to try to do tonight. I pray that uh, your spirit would guide us and that you would help us to think theologically and ask good questions. God, help us to do that tonight. And, and God, may whatever we do tonight glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Frank Switzer. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm going to introduce these other two guys in just a minute. And I want to just take a minute to set this up, kind of set the stage, frame the conversation, explain how we're going to do this tonight. Uh, our goals tonight is that we want to think theologically about uh, this issue and every issue that we encounter, certainly. We also want to think about asking the right questions and, and what that looks like. Uh, we also want to understand tonight that uh, this discussion really, uh, for some people, you've already decided where you stand on this, and you really didn't even think that long about it. It's just you've decided, and you decided a long time ago, and you know where you are. Um, the problem with that is that we don't believe that this discussion can be as contained and, and as neat as that, and, and that this discussion is going to, I think you'll see, is going to open the door to many other discussions of, about wisdom and conscious and what we might call acceptable sins in, in some uh, vernaculars. Uh, so it's not as totally simple as we might think it is. So uh, I just want to encourage you, whatever, wherever you stand on this issue, to leave your preconceived notions at the door and, and just kind of hear what we have to say and, and, and uh, enter the discussion and, and think about it. Uh, we are also <clears throat> approaching this discussion assuming that recreational marijuana use is going to be legal sometime in the near future. So we're not here to debate whether or not uh, what our stand is on whether or not it should be legal necessarily. We're, we're here to talk about how Christians should approach the idea, especially of, of, of recreational uh, marijuana. And obviously the medical marijuana co conversation is in the midst of that uh, as well. Um, the panel tonight is going to be myself. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, probably not a good idea to partake in recreational marijuana position. That'll be my position. So all of you who agree with, never mind. Um, <clears throat> this is Matt Barcelona. He's actually going to start. Uh, Matt is a, I'll, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit uh, more, but uh, Matt is a pediatrician and uh, he has a very, first of all, he has the technical expertise, expertise to look at this issue in a way that most of us don't and, is, and, and to be able to acquire that information that is harder for some of us to be able to understand. He also has a tremendous gift of taking that technical information and putting it in a, in a way that all of us might be able to understand. And so that's why he's here. He's probably going to, his initial presentation is probably going to be longer than mine or Cody's. Uh, and, and I would encourage you during Matt's, Cody and I both listened to what Matt's going to say, and we were blown away. Um, it, was, it was really good and really interesting, not to, you know, set this bar really high for you or put any pressure on you, but yeah, right. Um, but I would encourage you to take notes, because uh, you're not going to be able to stop him in the middle of the, we don't want to do that. You're not going to be able to stop him, but there are going to be things that you're going to be like, ooh, I need to ask about that, I need to ask about that. <clears throat> and then Cody, who is... Um, uh, on staff here, as many of you know, as the pastor of church formation and 
worship, he is going to take the theological position that one might take, one might approach if they're going to uh, be a, uh, somebody who would use uh, recreational marijuana. And, and I want to say this, and I, <laughs> there's a little bit of humor in this, but it's also, I'm very, I, I've had a lot of experience with issues like this and how people hear things. And I just want to make sure I say this right up front. By the way, we are recording, in case you're wondering if you got friends, you want to do the podcast. But I just want to say this right up front. Do not confuse Cody's theological position that he's going to take with what he does in his personal life, okay? That is really important because I, I guarantee you if I don't say that loud and clear up front, somebody is going to email me tomorrow and say, okay, so we have a pothead leading our worship on Sunday morning, right? Somebody will think that. And so understand, he's just presenting a theological argument and, and helping us to think through things. And, and that's one of the things that we want to try to do. So framing the discussion, we won't talk too much, of, if at all, about medical marijuana, although Matt might. What we really want to get into is the question of, of uh, recreational uh, use. And so um, it'll be helpful to know exactly what it is we're talking about before we even get there. And so Matt's going to do a lot of talking about what, did it, what is it exactly that we're talking about? Because it's more complex than you might think. So uh, welcome, Matt. And uh, we'll get started. Thank you. Thank you, Frank and Cody. I just really want to commend the leadership of Redemption uh, Church. Uh, just to really have the courage to take on such difficult topics like this and controversial topics. Because as our, our culture changes, we really need to know, well, what does the Bible say about these things? And how can we take a Christian standpoint about some of these things that, are, that may uh, come up against us? So I, I thank you for doing this. I was thankful to be a part of this panel um, because it does, is personal to me. Um, I'm a general pediatrician and I see kids from zero to 22 years old. And uh, there was a study by the CDC that, uh, uh, that showed that um, American high school seniors, 22% of them have used marijuana in the last month. And that's a staggering number. And uh, that's the, the population that I see. And so I think that this is an important thing for me to be knowledge about. Um, so I was happy to take part in this. I'll tell you, one of the things is that I found as I started to really dig into the nitty gritty of this is that it is a convoluted, difficult topic. And to try to tease it out into parts is really hard. When we talk about the medical implications of marijuana, it's tied to the social implications of marijuana, which is tied to the political implications of marijuana, which is tied to the monetary implications of marijuana, which is then tied to what we're talking about, the spiritual implications of marijuana. And so, but I really think it's important that we know we're all on the same page on what marijuana is, what it is we're talking about, so we can really have an educated discussion on what does that mean for us spiritually. I just want to reiterate, this is neither for nor against legalization, uh, and that is way outside the scope of this argument or this discussion. Um, and, uh, uh, and I also uh, want to let you know um, who I am. I think it's important for you guys to know who, who I'm talk who's talking to you. So I'm a, uh, a general practitioner, a, ge a general pediatrician in Scottsdale. I practice at North Scottsdale Pediatrics. Um, I'm a board-certified MD, so I practice Western medicine, kind of traditional allopathic medicine that is uh, kind of based in science and research and is kind of the overarching of the medical community in the United States. Um, I'm also on the board of directors for the American Academy of Pediatrics Arizona chapter. And so whenever we give sort of a discussion, it's important to disclose, you know, uh, things that might be disclosures that might be a conflict of interest for those who are discussing. So for example, if I was growing marijuana and selling it, that would probably be something you guys would want to know 
and so I would disclose that to you. So I'm not, so to let you know. <laughs> but I am on the board of directors for the American Academy of Pediatrics, and I do think that's pertinent. That being said, there is no specific uh, policy statement or stance that the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out there as it comes to marijuana and me uh, medicinal use. And, uh, and I'll also tell you that as I'm speaking up here, I am not representing the AZAAP, um, which is the American Academy of Pediatrics Arizona chapter. I'm representing Matt Barcelona, a member of Redemption Church and uh, who happens to be a pediatrician in Scottsdale. And I really just want to really frame a good discussion on what the implications are of this spiritually so we can move on to really the importance of how do we, how do we really uh, address this from a Christian standpoint. So I think a little bit of history is important to know about, about marijuana. So it's been used medically for millennia. So thousands of years it's been used medically. And even in the first hundred years of the existence of the United States, it's been used by doctors here in the United States. It wasn't until the 1930s that it actually started to have restrictions around its use. And it wasn't until 1970 that it actually became illegal. So that's when it become, became a Schedule I banned substance um, by the FDA of our U.S. government. What does it mean to be a Schedule I substance? First off, um, it shows that there's three things, and you only have to be one of the three, but, all, but these are the three things. That there's high potential for abuse, that there's no accepted medical use in the United States, and that there's a lack of safety, even if used under the supervision or guidance of a physician. So some other Schedule I drugs that in the United States would be heroin, LSD, ecstasy, right, to give you an idea. Some of the Schedule II, so they get a little bit, you know, a little bit less strict as they go. So a doctor cannot prescribe a, a Schedule I legally. A Schedule II, you can. And so there's OxyContin, cocaine, methamphetamine. Those are Schedule IIs. Schedule IIIs, Vicodin, Tylenol with codeine. Schedule IVs, Xanax, Valium. And Schedule Vs, like over-the-counter cough syrup, like Robitussin AC, right? So these are all sort of regulated and uh, uh, sort of uh, scheduled drugs that have restrictions on their use in the United States. So even when you talk about medical marijuana, the, it's, you, know, you might not even be talking about the same thing because really when we talk about, you know, the active ingredient in marijuana are called the cannabinoids, right? And there are several different types of cannabinoids. So the first thing is, is that there's endocannabinoids. These are the cannabinoids that are made in our own body. So our body makes cannabinoids. In 1990, there was an endocannabinoid system discovered in the body that has um, an endogenous or, or self-made um, cannabinoid called anandamide. And there's another one that they discovered later. And that we have receptors in our bodies to these cannabinoids. CB1, CB2 is what they're called. And, uh, and these are the things that the cannabinoids act upon. We have these receptors all over our body um, and uh, and they, what they do is not completely understood yet, but it has to do with some balance of keeping our system in balance or homeostasis. So then we can talk about the other types of cannabinoids, which are synthetic can cannabinoids. These are ones that are actually made in a lab. So synthetic cannabinoids um, are actually FDA approved as Schedule Three. So there are, uh, and they have include the active ingredient of marijuana. So uh, 1985, drobinol and uh, nabilone became FDA approved as Schedule Three, and they came about because of people with AIDS 
were losing a whole bunch of weight and they needed an appetite stimulant. So this drobanol and nebulone were used for what's called AIDS wasting syndrome to help stimulate appetite to have them gain weight. In 2005, um, there's one that was made legal in Canada and in 2006, another one in Europe. So there are several synthetic cannabinoids that are sort of out there in use medically and accepted. And then the third type that we can talk about is really, I think, what the crux of the situation here is for us, which are the phytocannabinoids. Phyto means plant, right? So this is, these are the ones that come from the plant, uh, the marijuana or hemp plant that we get. The active ingredients of that um, are really uh, the cannabinoids, right, that we've been talking about. So THC is the one that gets the most sort of uh, headlines. THC is the one that gives you those psychoactive effects, you know, that sensation of a high uh, that we know so well. The psychoactive ingredients in, um, in 1980, the amount of THC average in marijuana found that you can you know, get wherever on the street was about 2%. In 2012, it was 12%. So it has become significantly uh, more psychoactive or potent when we talk about those things from even that of the marijuana that was available in the 80s. The other, there are many other can cannabinoids within the smoked marijuana. And, uh, and the other one that's getting a lot of press for potential medical uses is called cannabidiol, which has no psychoactive properties. So people, if they ingest that or smoke that, get no sense of high and, uh, and potentially offsets some of the uh, bad effects of the THC that's in, uh, that's in marijuana. The thought process is the way that these kind of work is that all of them act together. When they've done different studies to see if they've isolated THC or they isolated this canna, uh, uh, cannabidiol and tried to use it independently, it hasn't been as effective. Somehow they all balance to kind of, you know, have the effect that uh, people, people want from it. So what are the acute effects of marijuana? So um, first off, when people uh, ingest or smoke marijuana, they have a sense of euphoria, a sense of happiness. Their perceptual changes uh, increase, uh, it sense to slows time, colors become more vivid, music becomes more you know, vivid, uh, reaction times begin to slow, attention decreases, concentration decreases, and there's a discoordination of their motor uh, senses, so their motor coordination becomes less. There's uh, acute memory loss. Uh, there's decreased what we call executive function, that ability to organize, that ability to problem solve, complex taxes, tasks becomes less. And it does increase your heart rate, it increases your blood pressure, it increases your respiratory rate, and uh, causes dry mouth and uh, an increase in appetite. Sometimes people get really bad effects from it or side effects, and some people get very anxious or become very panicked. Uh, some people get a sense of what's called dysphoria, where people, instead of feeling happy or high, become the absolute opposite, and it feel, they feel terrible. Um, they become very paranoid, and even people have, can have frank psychosis, and psychosis is when you really lose touch with reality. Excuse me, you end up having delusions and false beliefs, you end up hallucinating and seeing things that don't exist, and they can be pretty severe. Of note, there have been no reported deaths from overdose of marijuana by itself. Also of note, um, marijuana intoxication absolutely affects your ability to operate vehicles. Um, so drivers, uh, there's a study out there that shows that drivers are two to seven times more likely to have an auto accident if under the influence of uh, marijuana. Uh, 
And they actually did an interesting study on pilots. So they took a whole bunch of airline pilots and had them do flight simulator tests. And then they uh, uh, were exposed to marijuana intoxication. And then they took the flight simulator tests again. And all of them performed significantly uh, worse on their flight simulator tests. What was also interesting, after, the flights, uh, after their high had kind of left, their, uh, their performance was still reduced up to 24 hours after um, they actually had uh, uh, smoked the marijuana, even when they didn't feel the effects, so to speak. I think the crux of this discussion, and one that is really big for me as well, is sort of what are these long-term effects? Um, I say me as a, as, a, as a pediatrician, as I counsel kind of teenagers about sort of uh, a marijuana and what it can do. So people, you know, you've heard different arguments. It's, it's addictive, it's not addictive, that kind of stuff. So number one, uh, marijuana is absolutely addictive. Um, dependency rates are actually one in 10. So for every 10 people that begin to use marijuana, 10% will go on to use it chronically. And that's higher in teenagers. It really seems that marijuana affects the developing mind more than an adult brain. And one in six teens can actually become dependent. That also means that we can become tolerant. So we actually need more marijuana to get the same effects. Um, and, uh, and then that also means if you don't get marijuana, you get withdrawal. And the signs of withdrawal, people who, um, who, who are sort of physically dependent on it, get irritability, anger, aggression, anxiety, uh, difficulty with sleep, lose weight, become depressed, shake and tremors, sweating, fevers, chills, and headache. And this can last, depending on how dependent they are, this can last um, several weeks. There is actually by the, so um, psychiatry uses a, a diagnostic criteria called the DSM-5, which is kind of their book on diagnoses. And there is in the newest one, a cannabis use disorder. There was also one in DSM-4, but in DSM-5, it's now called the cannabis use disorder. And uh, it's graded from mild, moderate to severe. And it depends on how dependent you are and how much that dependence affects your day-to-day -day life. And, uh, and then there's uh, you know, treatment recommendations for it. Some other interesting long-term effects is that uh, chronic use of marijuana uh, actually affects your IQ. So there was a study done by the National Institute of the, uh, Drug Addiction, which is a kind of an arm of the NIH, that followed a little over 1,000, I think it was like 12 or 1,300 um, marijuana users and a control group who didn't use for about 25 years. And the control group actually had an uptick in their IQ, where all those people who had smoked marijuana, no matter how much, had a decrease in their IQ. And it was proportionate to how much they smoked and how long they smoked, with uh, the people who had smoked 25 years very heavily with the biggest drop. And we're talking like over 10 points of IQ. And when they stopped, they didn't necessarily get those IQ points back. There's also about a seven times increase in psychosis, like I mentioned, and that's sp and really bad in teenagers, to where uh, if they uh, chronically or regularly use marijuana, they lose touch with reality and have this um, increase in delusions and hallucinations. There's actually, those will go on, 3% of chronic marijuana users will go on to, 3% of them will go on to develop frank schizophrenia. And, um, and it also is associated with uh, depression and anxiety. Because mo many people smoke it, there's effects on the lungs, worsening control of asthma, bronchitis, 
and even lung cancer. There's about three times more tar in a marijuana cigarette than in a actual um, unfiltered um, uh, tobacco cigarette and about 50% more carcinogens. And another thing that uh, is for the long-term use, and I use this a lot for my teen boys, it decreases testosterone. And, uh, and so if it decreases your testosterone, it can cause, cause testicular atrophy. So basically your balls get smaller. And it can cause uh, gynecomastia, which is the development of breast tissue. And it can get so bad that you actually can leak fluid from your nipples. And, uh, and that's called galactorrhea. And in adult men, it decreases uh, sperm count. The big concern here as well as mentioned is teens. It seemed to be much more, have a much greater long-term effect on the developing brain with increased dependence, increased rates of psychosis and schizophrenia, increased problems with working memory, attention, and ability uh, to critically think. And it seems to maybe not get back to where it should be when, even when you stop using it. Now there's arguments about is marijuana a gateway drug? And, uh, and honestly, we don't know. So there is huge, uh, 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 huge studies that show associations with marijuana use and uh, in increased use of other illicit drugs like the ones we mentioned. Um, and uh, there's also huge associations with academic failure, physical injuries, school dropout, delinquent behavior. Is it, is, is it actually causing it? It's, it's not clear. So there's a difference between association and causation. And I, I, what I mean by that is, is that because somebody is using cocaine, there's a really high chance at some point they use marijuana. But because someone used marijuana, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to use cocaine. And so that has, is yet to be sort of uh, kind of stamped as, yes, it's a gateway drug. Um, so what about the medical uses of marijuana? So there, uh, medical medicinal or medical marijuana, the phytocannabis that we talked about, is actually legal in 21 states in the United States, and uh, including Washington, D.C. Um, maybe it's one or two more. The number, last number I saw was 21. And in two states, it's legal recreationally. We know Colorado and Washington. Many states actually have decriminalization, have decriminalized marijuana uh, for possession and things like that. So there's a much, beginning to be a much more relaxed view uh, of it, um, which you know, can be argued in both directions if that's good or bad. Now, um, what potentially has it, has it treated? Uh, one thing it seems to have some benefits in is seizures. Um, there are people who have had uh, many, who have, you know, seizure disorders where they can have many seizures a day even, and the standard medicines uh, haven't necessarily been as effective as we had hoped or they've run into side effects with them. And uh, some people have had benefit from the, uh, uh, from the cannabinoids uh, for them. And it seems that for seizures specifically, the cannabidiol seems to play uh, the biggest role. Um, also for vomiting, so people who have vomiting from a brain tumor or uh, some sort of ke from chemotherapy um, uh, or something like that have had benefit from it being an anti-nausea medicine. Um, I mentioned about the use of uh, increasing the appetite for AIDS wasting syndrome, and it seems there, there are some benefits in glaucoma, in pain control, Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory disease of the bowel, and uh, in sort of um, uh, in an use for palliative care and end-of-life care. Um, there's a lot of other implications that, that, that people are looking at that marijuana may be helpful with, with not a lot of good evidence to say yay or nay about. 
that I found. So what about sort of westernized American medicine sort of approach to marijuana? Um, and uh, I think there's a couple of issues that we look at just from a doctor's standpoint. One is the straight legal problem. It's against the law federally to actually prescribe marijuana, even if it might be legal in the state. So you're actually kind of, while you might be in, you know, okay in the state, you know, for the country, you're actually breaking the law. So I think that, that brings up an interesting uh, topic. As well as, um, you know, the big issue is just sort of this lack of study. There is a huge disparity in the United States about study on it. About, about 90 plus percent of the studies about, are about its negative and problems and uh, negative side effects, and about 5 to 10 percent are really then on what are the benefits. So this huge dis disparity on that. But the problem is, is that the way it's kind of becoming legal medically is it seems to have skirted our traditional uh, way that medicines become legal. So as a, uh, as a physician, uh, or when a medicine goes through the pike to become legalized, it goes through really rigorous study in science. So it goes through phase one, phase two, phase three, and even phase four trials along the way to make sure that it's, it's safe, to, make, to what are the benefits, to what degree, how much do you need to use, what are the possible side effects, and uh, for how long do you need to use it, this sort of thing. And, uh, uh, and, if, and it gets compared to placebo, it gets compared to what's the standard of care. So you really have an idea when I prescribe a medicine as, as, uh, as a physician, I write the medicine, the dose, the amount, and for how long, and I know that, uh, uh, that this is, um, you know, uh, what the potential side effects are, and I warn the patient of the most, you know, possible side effects. And, uh, and then they go to the pharmacy and they get something that has been actually produced in a factory with standards and regulation that they get that I know it, it is what they're getting, and there's checks and balances between me and the pharmacist. And, uh, and so there's this level of patient safety that comes along with the medicines that we prescribe that marijuana has never been subjected to. And so that is something that uh, as uh, doctors um, kind of have issues with. Uh, the second thing is sort of the quality. When, when a medical card is given, so you get your medical card and you go get marijuana, you really have no control of the quality of the product that you're getting because there's like no regulation uh, uh, over it right now. And uh, so if you, if you want to get your card and you live greater than 25 miles from a dispensary in Arizona, you can actually grow your own marijuana and, and use that medicinally. And then you can actually sell that marijuana to a dispensary. And there's no regulations on what marijuana you're growing or how you're growing it, how much pesticides you're using, and what are the levels of THC and cannabidiol and all the other uh, cannabinoids that are in there. So there's just really not a lot of uh, regulation in there. And that's really what the medical community has demanded. And really that's what um, patients uh, have demanded is to really have um, a quality uh, product that we can kind of stand behind. And that just hasn't, uh, it, it, for many doctors, that just hasn't been the case with marijuana. Um, so, uh, in summary, this is a really complex and convoluted issue, um, you know, but I think uh, that it's important to have a good 30,000 foot view of what's going on in these various areas of marijuana, what's kind of fact, what's kind of not, and try not to nitpick and take this and run with it and take this and run with it, but try to really get a good bird's eye view of well, what is going on with marijuana, and now, now that we have a good snapshot of that, how do we apply this to our lives as Christians?
Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. Uh, I think you maybe have seen on the screens that you can be texting your questions right now into Stephanie, and uh, our resident David Massey is screening those questions, so um, he's checking for the uh, level of credibility on the questions, I think, before he actually puts them up there. And we'll get to those as soon as I'm done and, and Cody are done. I want to talk a little bit now about uh, some of the theology surrounding uh, this issue, some of the uh, arguments that I have read about, um, uh, both in, in articles, but also I've been presented with people who want to have a conversation in terms of this uh, topic, the, the arguments that they might give uh, for and against um, marijuana. Understand that I'm going to take the position that as a Christian, we probably should not imbibe uh, in recreational marijuana. So if you feel like I'm slanted towards that way, it's because I am in, in this presentation. So um, first of all, let me just mention real quick about medical marijuana. I, I, I think it's interesting as I think about mar medical marijuana, and Matt just presented uh, some information about medical marijuana that I'm sure a lot of people in here had no idea uh, was going on, and that is the lack of standards in terms of medical marijuana compared to other uh, prescriptive medicine, which is interesting that, that it's getting away with that so far. Um, uh, on the other hand, I, I look at some of the other uh, drugs that we prescribe for pain and, and, and other issues, and uh, we seem to be okay with opiate-based drugs, which um, are also... Uh, will cause hallucinations and, and a feeling of euphoria and, and intoxication and being high. Uh, but suddenly, at the same time, we argue against marijuana. So I, I just want to point out that, that there could be an inconsistency in that argument. When it comes to recreational uh, marijuana, it seems like um, if, if we wanted to narrow it down to a couple of really important um, issues to talk about, it would be probably the meaning of the word intoxication. A lot of people are really hung up on that word that we translate as drunk or intoxicated in Scripture. And then, of course, what does it mean to be free in Christ? We have freedom in Christ, and what does exactly uh, that mean? So uh, here's the first and probably the primary argument that people would use for the use of recreational marijuana. It happens to be in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. I think they're actually going to have those verses on the screen. So many of you are familiar with this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then verse 29, this is the payoff verse. And God said, behold, I, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed Hemp is a seed-yielding plant uh, that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. So the argument is made that we have dominion over those things and that God has actually given us those um, seed-bearing plants for food, and hemp is a seed-bearing plant, plant, therefore we can use marijuana any way we want. Um, now, obviously, some people would say, well, the, the literal translation is, you shall have them for food, not for smoking, Okay. Um, I get that, but we can also ingest marijuana and become intoxicated, get high, have the euphoria uh, from that as well. Okay, uh, I get that. That's true. We can ingest marijuana, but, but really for what purpose? God, God said that he gives us these things for food. 
Um, now, was God looking down the corridors of time knowing that in 2014, Redemption Arcadia was going to have this conversation and we we're going to be talking about whether or not people were actually eating hemp for food? Oh, I'm going to go get lunch today. I'm going to have a hemp sandwich. That's what it, it's, it's nutrition for my body. Is that really what's going on? Obviously not. And uh, I, I would suggest that uh, I have a little bit of experience in this years and years and years ago. I would suggest that hemp really doesn't even taste that good. Um, unless, of course, you put it in a brownie. Then it tastes really good, and that could be the excuse uh, as well. Or you put it into some other kind of food. Um, but, but I think that um, we also have, you and I know that we have a way as human beings of rationalizing any behavior that we want to be able to engage in and not call uh, sin or, or not call uh, overindulgence. Um, I, I, I like chocolate, I admit it, but I have to laugh every time I hear somebody say, well, chocolate's good for you, it's got antioxidants, and so I'm just bulking up on my antioxidants when I eat chocolate, okay? So we have this way of justifying just about anything that we want to do. So, uh, And I understand that God never made anything evil. I, 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 I get that. Everything he's created is good. It's all good. Uh, what the problem is is our attitude towards things. Uh, probably the most misquoted Bible verse I've ever heard in my life is uh, the verse from Second uh, Timothy. I think it's Second Timothy, First Timothy, or Second Timothy. Anyway, I know the verse. Um, the way it's misquoted all the time is money is the root of all sorts of evil. Okay. Well, that's a complete misunderstanding. Misquote of that verse. It's the love of money that is a root of all sorts of evil. It's not the money that's evil, it's our attitude towards it. So what is our attitude toward the created thing? What is our attitude toward uh, hemp? That's what's in question here. And I agree that, that, that Scripture tells us that God has granted us dominion over everything. I get it. It's right there in the Scripture. It's right there in the Scripture that I just read. However, having said that, I don't think I have to work too hard to convince you that in our fallen state, in our sinful state, we have taken that dominion and have abused it every which possible way that we can. We have a proclivity and even a talent, a particular giftedness at abusing uh, the dominion of what God has, has given us. So just because God has given us dominion, that also does not mean that he's given us the right to abuse things or to act foolishly. Then we get to another one. Here's, here's another interesting one. It's Ephesians 5.18 where this word drunk or intoxicated is used. It's also used in uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 21, uh, when Paul is, right before Paul lists the, the fruit of the Spirit, he lists the, 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 the deeds of the flesh, the sins of the flesh. But in Ephesians 5.18, I'm going to read the whole paragraph. It's starting in uh, 5.15. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So Paul's framing a discussion in this paragraph about how we walk in wisdom, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So walking in wisdom means understanding, having an understanding of what the will of God is, not his personal will for your life as to what what school you're supposed to go, to go to or what toothpaste you're supposed to buy, but what is the moral will of God? What is God's will for your life to live in a, in a gospel-centered way, in a Christ-like way, conforming to the image of Christ? And then here's the verse. Uh, and, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, literally, that could be translated this way. Don't come under the influence of wine or 
anything else that isn't keeping you under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Um, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that word translated drunk in verse 18 uh, it's also uh, translated as intoxicated in other places in uh, the New Testament. It literally means influenced by or under the power of or leading to foolish or irresponsible behavior. That's what it means. So don't allow, I would argue, not just wine. I, I've actually heard somebody say, well, Paul says don't get drunk on wine, but he didn't say anything about vodka, so I'm going to drink vodka. Okay, I, I think you're missing the spirit of that verse there, if, if that's how you're going to use that. But that's the argument that people who want to use marijuana recreationally will make. And so uh, they'll say that, but you're, you're, it could lead, as Mad just talked about, to foolish or irresponsible behavior. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 5, uh, the, the Hebrew word that we translate as drunkenness or intoxicated is also used. Um, and and uh, literally there in the Hebrew, it means to be unwittingly led astray. So I would argue that these words that are used that we translate intoxicated or drunk in the Bible are not proprietary only to liquor, um, but they could, be, they could be talking about our intoxication with wealth or with sex or with power or with food. And then finally, I would just say in Ephesians 5, look at the context. Uh, like I said, the context is about walking in wisdom um, and, and, and understanding what the will of God is, it, it just seems odd to me to think, to think that, and this is an over-exaggeration, I understand that, but suddenly for one verse, verse 18, Paul inserts something about whether or not you can have a kager. It just doesn't fit the context there. He's talking about walking in wisdom. That's the overarching theme there. At least that's what, that, that's what I would uh, argue. Then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, where Paul writes, all things are lawful for me. Now we're getting into the freedom conversation, the freedom in Christ conversation. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for, lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. That word translated enslaved literally means I will not be mastered by anything, okay? So this verse here is really about two things. It's about idols and idol worship I'm just going to tell you, I, I am always, always concerned about somebody, a Christian, who is making an argument for their absolute right to do something without any regard for responsibility or accountability. I have a right in Christ, a freedom in Christ to be able to do that, and they're really heavily bent on their rights in Christ without any idea for responsibility or accountability. That that is language that lends itself, I believe, to idol worship. And the second thing this, this um, verse is about, I believe, is simply what we mentioned in Ephesians 5. It's about wisdom and discernment, okay? And, and finally, the, the, the New Testament is constantly telling us that as Christians, we should be sober-minded. In other words, we should constantly, in terms of our thinking, um, have clear, discerned, sane thinking. We even talked about that a little bit this last Sunday morning about what it means to regard yourself with sober judgment. It means that you're going to have clear, sane thinking about yourself. Well, we're supposed to think that way about all things as well. We're supposed to be clear-headed when we think about things. So there is one other interesting passage that's been brought up. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. 
And uh, I'm going to let Cody handle that because, in, frankly, the, the, the argument that Cody's going to present is fairly compelling and provocative, but I'm going to let him do that because it would really go in line with uh, the, the position, the theological position uh, that he's going to take. Now, I know that um, for many of us, especially in um, uh, Reformed Evangelical Gospel Coalition uh, gospel-centered churches, one of the questions that we like to ask on any issue is, what does John Piper say? Because that's really important, you know. And we've made little wristbands and stuff, you know, what would John say and all that stuff. So I wanted to let you know, um, I don't know, some of you maybe have read this essay, but John Piper wrote an essay titled, um, La, ha, 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 he's, he's, he's such a boomer, he's so funny, you know, um, the, the title of the message is, Don't Let Your Mind Go to Pot. Ha, 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 ha. How many of you have read that Essay. Anybody read that essay? We got a couple out there. Okay, good. That's really good. Well, let me tell you just briefly what it says. You can go and read it yourself. All you got to do is Google pot and you're there. So um, he says the scripture teaches that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we owe our bodies honor. And the question he asks is smoking, is smoking marijuana something that would honor our, our bodies? Um, I, I would say, I would argue no. However, if we're going to make that argument about marijuana and honoring our bodies, hello, now we're going to open the door to some other things that maybe you might be sitting there going, no, we should never smoke marijuana, but now we got to talk about your little pet thing that you like to throw into your body, okay? So if we argue uh, this temple of the Holy Spirit argument, which I think is valid, be ready for scrutiny about things like sugar and alcohol and caffeine. Um, how many of us, that's sort of the Christian drug of choice right now is caffeine, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what is that, what is that doing to us? So maybe we need a Caffeine's Anonymous group here at uh, Redemption. That might, that might help. What? I'm feeling very good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, me too. Okay. So I'm going to have to quit going to Lucy's, which would be really sad. So um, and, then, and then here's a question that I, that I ask all the time. Isn't the recreational use of marijuana just yet another form of self-medication? And I'm not talking about medical marijuana. I'm talking about the idea that we're depressed or angry or frustrated or, or sick of life or whatever it is. And so we're going to medicate ourselves with marijuana because it's going to make us feel better. We're going to use it to escape. And again, there's that little uh-oh that we might feel if, if that's going to be, or, or you shouldn't self-medicate with marijuana, okay? Well, are we going to start challenging people about the other things that we self-medicate ourselves with? How, how about if we had a little confession night about all the different things that we use to self-medicate ourselves? Some of you are like kind of shrinking in, but you're smiling and you're shaking your head right now, okay? So what? The Bachelor. The Bachelor, yes. Yeah. So you're self-medicating on The Bachelor, Okay, or uh, what's the food one we watched the other night, Jackie? The, the Ramsey's one? Not Hell's Kitchen, the other, never mind. Okay, I was counting on you, babe, but... Um, Master Chef, yes, the Master Chef restaurant. Yeah, Master Chef, all that stuff. I don't know, I don't watch Ramsey. I self-medicate on other television shows, so I do. I mean, TV has become a form of self-medication for me. How much TV am I watching? Is it really good? Do I really need three sermon illustrations every Sunday from The Office or from Parks and Rec, you know? Uh, how helpful is that? What else are we self-medicate? How many of us self-medicate with food or liquor or sex or, again, caffeine? Uh, one author writes this. This is fairly convicting, okay? People stop maturing in their faith the minute they begin self-medicating. 
Should I really watch another episode of The Office or should I be reading Proverbs? Which would be better for me, okay? So that's true of anything that medicates us. And by medicating, I mean the purpose of it is to try to make us feel better about how awful our life is or how depressed we are. So let me add just a couple of other thoughts and then we'll get to Cody and then we'll get to some of your uh, questions. Um, one of the things I think we do need to remember about this issue is the social dimension of, of the marijuana debate. The social dimension of the marijuana debate is not as simple as some people say when it comes to just individual rights because it, it's a corporate issue. The recreational use of medical, uh, the recreational use of medical marijuana. Okay, wrong. The recreational use of marijuana uh, has the potential to affect us all adversely. Uh, now, you heard Matt talk about how um, mad, uh, a, a, a marijuana adversely affects attention. It adversely affects our memory, as it seems to be doing to mine right now. Um, the ability to think clearly, it does intoxicate us. Uh, our motor skills, it adversely uh, uh, affects that too. Uh, I read this, this is interesting, a synthesized analysis of 48 different studies, a synthesized analysis is also known as a meta-study meta or a meta-analysis. This study found that marijuana is correlated with reduced educational attainment, higher absenteeism at work, and higher levels of workplace safety incidents. Now again, just like Matt talked about, I wanna be clear, we haven't nailed down if there is a cause and effect relationship there, but there is most certainly, for sure, an association. If you smoke marijuana, you are much more likely to have these things happen in your life. Also, I want you to think about the scary amounts of public funds that we have devoted to the war on drugs, which is almost primarily in the area of marijuana. Uh, and, and as you start to read some of that stuff, you realize that this actually makes pretty good fodder for why we should not be so uptight about the use of, of recreational marijuana. Uh, because of how much money we spend on it and the time, energy, and effort we, we spend on it. Uh, legalizing marijuana and regulating it better, like liquor, is something that we may have an opinion on, but we're probably not going to be able to stop, and I hope that if they do legalize it completely, we regulate it better. Um, but the issue for us, I really believe, is not necessarily legalization, but rather it is uh, what is our wise response as Christians when it is going to be legal? Let me ask you this question this way for, uh, again, uh, those of us um, uh, cool, reformed Christians. Is, is pot going to be the new craft beer for Christians? I want you to think about that. And, and what is the difference? Now, I'll just tell you, I, I have... My past, my deep past, long ago, I smoked marijuana. I smoked marijuana in the 70s uh, when I was in high school, and, and I've got stories. I've also had beers, and I can tell you that they're not the same. They are not the same. And I hear that argument all the time. And I know, that's your experience, Frank, but I hear that argument all the time. It's just like drinking a beer. Eh, no, it's not, okay? Um, the, the, marijuana is far more potent than than beers. At least it is for me and my physiology. Okay, see I got an amen there from the dog on that. So, um, so again, let me wrap up by just giving you a couple verses I want to reiterate. This is a big verse for me. It's, it's 1 Corinthians uh, 6.12. All things are lawful for me. Yeah, I've got freedom in Christ, but not all things are going to be helpful. 
Just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. Um, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. That's, that's one of the goals. Being enslaved, being mastered by something means that you have that as an idol in your life. Romans 14, 17, Paul also says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then Galatians 5, 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So when we talk about freedom in Christ, I'm always interested in how some people say, well, my freedom in Christ allows me to do these things that I really like. Well, Paul talks about your freedom in Christ being used to serve others. So let's first ask ourselves, are we using our freedom in Christ to serve others before we begin to imbibe in personal pleasures? That's really the primary area where our freedom in Christ is supposed to come. Uh, and lastly, um, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I think about this too. Uh, Paul writes, in the last days, people will become lovers of self. And then he begins to list a number of other things that are happening in the last days that are certainly happening today. Um, but that first statement, in the last days, people will become lovers of self. Um, I think that's what each of us needs to wrestle with when it comes to this issue. Is that what this is really about? Is it because we love ourselves and we love the, the pleasure and we love the intoxication? And doesn't the gospel have something better for us than to get high? Doesn't the gospel have something better for us than to get high? Finally, I will say this, again, uh, because I have some 70s experience with marijuana, I know that marijuana has become way more expensive to use recreationally today than it was in the 70s. And as a pastor, I think that money could be much better spent given to the church. <laughs> Cody? Wow, well, thanks, Frank. Uh... Now, I like that they get the new guy to come up here and to present the argument for smoking marijuana. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I want to begin first and foremost by, by saying that this is something that I, I think a lot of Christians would look at and say is cut and dry, and that they hear the, the fact that I'm up here presenting a theological argument for recreational marijuana use seems ridiculous to most people. Um, to most Christians and probably many Christians in this room. Um, but I think that, that part of the way that we need to approach this is by seeing both sides, is by getting the full picture. This is a complex and messy issue. The Bible is a very complex and at times messy book in the way that it talks about moral things, particularly things that the Bible doesn't directly weigh in on, which is marijuana. Now, we've talked about intoxication. We've talked about freedom in Christ. But like Frank said, the Bible nowhere ever does it actually say anything specifically about the use of marijuana and in our context? And so because of that, I think it's important for us to wade through it. Uh, one of my favorite verses uh, with regards to kind of how Christians ought to approach issues comes from Ecclesiastes, and this is what Frank was referring to earlier. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 16, it says, Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Uh, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. There's, uh, in other translations, it says the one who fears God will avoid all extremes. I think that for the sake of not being in a position where we are one, on one extreme of an issue without considering all sides of it, um, I, I think that's kind of why we're doing this, 
That's why I'm up here presenting a theological argument for why we can smoke marijuana. And also know that, and, and I hope we have the maturity here to separate the, the deliverer from the argument. Um, uh, and, 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 and I say that partly just because I want to make sure we do that, but also that this is something that I will say it was challenging to me, and it was challenging for me to do this. Um, but it was also, I think, very enlightening, and hopefully this can kind of shape us. Because cause what I don't want to do is for us to go out there with guns blazing and kind of fight our own spiritual war on marijuana. I think what we need to do is engage with wisdom and with love and engage with all the complexity and messiness that this brings to bear with regards to morality, with regards to spirituality in the public sphere. Because I think if we're going to be heard and if our voice is going to be valued, we need to come at this with all things considered. And so that's kind of the, the heart behind why I'm, I'm sharing this, and I'm going to share it as convincingly as I can. Um, so without further ado, I, I, I kind of I, I want to present to you why I think, given the Bible, people as Christians with integrity can, at times, recreationally smoke marijuana. And it starts with Genesis 1. 28 and 20, 29 through 30. Um, uh, and and I, I won't need to read it again. Frank did a good job of walking through that. It says that when God created the world, he created it, created it good. And when God created man, he made him in his image and he put him in charge. He, he said, there's two very important words there. He said, he gave dominion to man over all things and he, and he gave them the task of subduing them. And he goes on to, to talk about every seed-bearing plant um, that, that uh, pretty much is on the earth is good for food. And, and, and like Frank said, a lot of people that would be in favor of the use of marijuana kind of stop right there. They say, look, it, it says right there in Genesis 1, 28 through 30 that seed-bearing plants are good for us, so let's just do it. We have dominion over all things. We can subdue them, so we can just use it. And they kind of treat it as, it's, as though it's no different from wheat or spinach or oregano or something like that. Marijuana is no different from any of those things. Um, and and I, I think maybe from our perspective and, and from people who probably for the most part would side more with Frank's argument, we would look at that and say there's so many holes in that. And, and I, I agree that that's not in and of itself a good argument. But there is something good that comes out of that. That I, that I think needs to shape the way we think about marijuana as Christians, and that is that God did, in fact, create marijuana. This is not some, something we formed in a lab somewhere. This is not something created out of nothing. This is something that God made and put on the earth for man to have dominion over, to subdue. And, and, um, and, and, and I think that that's something that we forget because it's easy because it's particularly with my generation, I, I've never lived in an America where marijuana was legal. I've, I've never lived in a world in which this has been anything but an illegal substance. And so I think for us, it's very easy to just, because of its illegality, to immediately associate it at, in and of itself as something bad and something evil and something to be completely and utterly avoided. Um, and I think Genesis 1 pushes against that. I think Genesis 1 should make us stop and pause and say, wait a second, how can that be true, yet what God says about what he created also be true? So I think that there is something good in there. Where I think that thing falls apart 
is how we understand our relationship as people to creation. And I think we'll go usually one in two ways. I, I, when we understand the idea of dominion and the idea of subduing creation, I think we'll usually think of it in two ways. It, one way would be kind of we, we see creation as this kind of evil thing that we have to kind of keep at bay, at, destroy at all costs if we can, use only if we absolutely need to. And we kind of see there, that there's this negative view towards creation. And if not in all things created, definitely in some. And I think that that's, that's oftentimes, I, I think, some of the language that comes through when we talk about marijuana in the evangelical church is that this is a bad thing. We're, we're supposed to subdue it. We're supposed to have dominion over it, and we need to, to get it out of there. That we, our, our responsibility to it is, is to treat it as an evil thing. And I don't think that that's helpful. Uh, and I don't think that that's a biblical understanding of Genesis 1, 28. Now, the other side of it, <clears throat> which I think is equally wrong, is we, we interpret the idea of dominion and the idea of subduing as kind of like a, we kind of have free use, that, that we can consume it whenever we want. And I would say that these are, that both of those views of creation, both of those kind of, I, I would say, perversions of our understanding of man's relationship to the rest of creation, I think are the result of the fall. I think that those are two instances of what it would be like if men and women were bad rulers over creation. If men and women were bad rulers, we would either completely oppress and obliterate, or we would overly consume, and we would overly use without any discretion, without any wisdom. And, and I think that both, both sides are wrong. And, and, and so, kind of as I do, kind of dug into those words more, the idea of what it means to have dominion, what it means to subdue, I, th I think the best way I can kind of understand it as, is that man's job with regards to creation is to bring about the best of it. It, 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 it assumes that creation without the stewardship without something ruling over it, without something taming it, without something cultivating it, without something, uh, the word, it carries with it an idea of oppression. So there is a, oftentimes negative connotations to it, but I, I think in that specific context, it, it really is, is speaking to kind of bringing the best out of creation. So man's intended role, when, when God gave man dominion over creation, was to do, see everything that God created as intended for good and to do our best to bring that good out of it. I think that that is prob probably the best understanding that I can come to of what Genesis 1.28 is. So when God gave uh, kind of the, uh, um, the, the command that all food is good for us to eat, I think implied in that is that we as human beings are going to bring out the best use and, and for nourishment, for whatever, with regards to everything that's been created. See, the, but the problem is mankind is sinful. The, the assumption in Genesis 1 that as man are, are ruling over creation is that God is ruling over us. That's kind of what's assumed and implied in Genesis 1. Unfortunately, that's not really the case. And I would say that that's actually only the case for the church. And so it, 
What's interesting is, as, as we look into this, because I, I do think that that's kind of the best place to start for a biblical argument for the use of marijuana. Um, it, it, I think it gives a great deal of responsibility to the church because we're the, kind of the only people in the world with God kind of ruling over us. We are submitting to God in his lordship and his reign in our life who are in a position to rule with wisdom, to rule with wise stewardship, to rule over this creation in a way that causes its flourishing. And so that, there's a great responsibility in that. And I think that that has to do with marijuana too, and we need to approach marijuana in that way. Now, so, so if man's role over creation is to bring about its best use, bring about its best use in, in, the, same, in the sense of how to cultivate it, how to use it for different things, how to, how to make it good for other people, um, how to make it good for ourselves. That's kind of the role, I would say, now of the church over creation. We're supposed to teach the world how to wisely use and oversee and cultivate the world. Now, I, I, I think if that is in fact our biblical mandate as Christians, as to how we are to interact with creation, I think on the one hand, that definitely opens up a very strong biblical argument for the use of medical marijuana. Now, granted, there are a lot of complications for that, but just in the same way, we were having a conversation about the use of opiates, you know, kind of the development of opiates over the last, you know, 100 years with regards to medicine has done some incredible things, has enabled and empowered the ability for us to do incredible things from the medical side. It's also brought about a significant danger with the, the misuse of opiates as well, but when we can cultivate any substance for the sake of making things better, making people better, medically using them and stuff like that, I would say that that is an example of mankind being wise stewards over creation. However, that doesn't necessarily speak to recreational use because recreational use is not for the sake of medical purposes. Recreational use is for the sake of enjoyment. Now, I believe that one of the, the, the overarching, uh, a big theme that's con constantly missed in the Bible is the fact that God, as he has given creation to man to rule over, to subdue, to tame, did so with the intent that we would, in fact, enjoy it. There is a very real way in which God did not give creation to man strictly for its utilitarian use but God gave creation to man so that we might enjoy it, so that we might wisely enjoy it, but so that we might enjoy it. Um, I, I, I think uh, some verses that, that help with this, if you look at Ecclesiastes 2, for example, um, where it says, I, um, there is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. It says later in, in, in chapter uh, six, once again, we're to eat and to drink and to find enjoyment for there, there's nothing else in this world but for us to enjoy it. Now, there are context issues there and that's not a carte blanche statement saying, hey, you should go out and enjoy it. But there's a very real way in which we should in fact enjoy what God has given us in a wise and Christian and godly way. Uh, another example that I can give. So 
from a theological standpoint, when you look at the Bible and you're looking at something that is not actually written in here, the, I th- I, the way that we approach it, and, and we did this with kind of comparing it to alcohol, we find something that's similar that maybe has a precedent in here, and we kind of associate it as much as we can with something. So when we talk about intoxication, right, it doesn't talk about marijuana, but it does very specifically talk about wine or beer or alcohol. And so we kind of associate that, and I think that's a fair association. I think another association that we can, we can kind of make, uh, given the attitude of enjoyment of creation, particularly the wise enjoyment of things that also have a significant amount of danger attached to them, is the way the Bible talks about sex. Multiple points in the Bible, it talks about how dangerous sex can be. It talks about how sinful it can be, how perverted it can be, how harmful it can be to relationships, to yourself, to other people. Sex is, is not a neutral thing in Scripture. At the same time, the Bible does not treat sex as something that is purely utilitarian and for the sake of procreation. That is not the biblical attitude towards sex. There's an entire book, Song of Solomon's, that kind of talks about the, the beauty of erotic love found within the covenantal marriage and love. There's an entire book about it in the Bible. I love um, in Proverbs um, 5.18, and I love that there's a word in here that's gonna be a hot word for us. Um, chapter 5.18, it says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So the Bible calls for us to enjoy that which which has been created. He calls for that with regards to sex, with regards to food, I think with regards to relationships, all these different things, God gave us as wise stewards of this world kind of the, the, the directive to not only steward it for good use, to not only steward it in a way that helps it flourish and helps the flourishing of all of mankind, but in a way that we can actually enjoy it and enjoy it responsibly. Um, now, I would say that that right there would open the door, at least biblically and theologically, for the use of recreational marijuana. That if, in fact, we can find an instance in which we can justify it as a wise way in which we can enjoy creation, Christians, I think, can respond with saying, this is okay by the Bible. Now, I know that a lot of people are going to have a problem with the statement that I just made, but, but, but that's, kind of, that's kind of where we go, and this is a side I think that is very absent when we talk about this. However, it's very present when we talk about alcohol. We talk about other things that have become legal. You know, we talk about wine or alcohol, which 50 years ago, even, the fact that small groups were going and having beers together and stuff like that would have been absolutely unheard of. The morality has kind of changed with the way we look at that. And it's because we've said, look, this is something that we understand that there's potential for abuse. We understand that there's potential for this to be something terrible in our lives. 
in the lives of other people, but we have found a way to wisely enjoy it. And I would say that marijuana as a substance, a substance that was created by God, that was intended for good use, can in fact fall under that category. Now, before we kind of first off pigeonhole me into saying that that is where I leave this argument, um, I, I, I think that re- regardless of uh, kind of where we fall on this, um, I'm a, I, and I will kind of say my personal uh, take on this, I think that where Christians need to stand with regards to marijuana is not in that marijuana is bad, therefore Christians should never do it, but that Christians ought to show wisdom in what we consume and how we use things. That should be our stance. That should be the way in which we approach this. Should we be the way we approach everything, marijuana included. Now, with regards to potency, with regards to intoxication, it's very likely that because of potency, most Christians would not be able to find a way in which we could recreationally use marijuana as it exists right now in a wise way. That very well might be true. Now, intoxication is an interesting word because intoxication, I think, can mean different things in different contexts. And so that, even in and of itself, is something that we need to exercise wisdom for. Intoxication really is, is kind of the ability to control or, or to, to be accountable for that for which we are, in fact, accountable for. And so intoxication is going to vary depending on what we are responsible for at the time. I think that that's kind of inherent in the definition of intoxication. Um, like for example, the legal limit for driving under the influence right now is kind of some of the strictest in the country where there are many people who could be driving over the legal limit without actually feeling any of the physical effects of alcohol. That, that's kind of where, depending on the body's type, depending on kind of the person, depending on your tolerance, you might be able to consume more than what is considered the legal limit and still have pretty much function of your body. However, if you were to drive home in that state and get pulled over for whatever reason and be found to be over the legal limit, you're going to have the consequences, regardless of whether you felt the physical weight of that or not. And so in that context, intoxication means something different. And the wise kind of approach to what is intoxication in that situation is going to be different from what is intoxication in another situation. Now, I know that that's hard, and I know that we have to be very careful with that, so I'm not, once again, I'm not giving carte blanche authority to go and say, so you guys should go have three beers tonight over dinner and drive home, or anything like that. But we need to understand that these are, these are things that other people are going to be saying to us as Christians as we debate this, and we need to have a nuanced view of it. And, and I think the other thing that that what this brings to bear, and Frank touched on it, and I want to reiterate it. Um, man's stance biblically ought to be that we are to use and consume things in a way that causes its flourishing, causes the flourishing of the people around us, and causes our own flourishing. Um, that, that, that is for the good of creation, that is good for others, that is good for ourselves. That is kind of the, the way in which we are supposed to do things. And I, I think that um, this is something that what I hope and what it has caused me to do as I've kind of looked into this is saying regardless of the legality or illegality of any substance, 
that needs to be the way in which I approach it. Um, we were talking about mind alteration uh, earlier in our conversation. Kind of, we, we met together to kind of talk through this, and we talked about, well, what about any mind-altering drugs? How do you balance out what's the difference between taking marijuana recreationally versus taking Oxycontin or uh, Vicodin or something like that that does severely my, alter your mind? Um, the more I thought about this, I think the reality is that and this is something that we just need to know as Christians. Every single thing that we put into our body in some way, shape, or form alters our mind. Every single thing that we eat, every single thing that we drink, every single thing that we see, every single thing that we hear is affecting what's going on up here. Every single thing that we do affects us. Every single thing that we eat, some things affect us better than others. Some things can have a stronger effect than others, but everything affects us. And our job as Christians is to wisely discern how we are to put things in our body in a wise way, how we are to consume and what we are going to allow to alter our minds in different ways that still stands within a way in which we can stand before God in conscience and say, this is okay. Um, and so, I, I, I think that there's going to be a, a, what I don't want us to do is, is kind of fall into kind of a hypocritical stance when we take this, where we go up in arms and protest about marijuana, but we don't give, for example, we don't give a second thought to the fact that we all ate brownies tonight. Like, sugar affects us, and I should probably stop so we can ask some questions. Um, all that to say, I'm just reiterating that Everything affects us, and we as Christians need to wisely discern what we put in our bodies, and that's the argument. There you go. Since we are commanded to obey the law of our governing authorities, how do we handle the discrepancy between governing authorities, state law versus federal law? Oh, you're going to let me do that one. Okay. I, I, I don't have at all any sort of expert opinion on this other than I will say this. It, it's interesting to me uh, that it doesn't seem like they're enforcing the federal law on this. So I don't know that it makes, in, in practicality, I don't know that it even makes a difference because I don't, I don't think anybody's getting arrested federally for um, using or possessing um, marijuana right now other than for the, the um, intent to distribute illegally in a state where it's not legal. Um, so I, I'm not sure that there is much of a difference, even though it's stated that there's a difference. What do you think, Matt? Any, any thoughts, any additional thoughts on that? I think that is a very uh, tough subject. Uh, and uh, there was just an article in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine that was talking about doctors who have been uh, sort of come down upon by the federal government in Massachusetts for actually prescribing medical marijuana. And so there are some states where the, f the federal government is cracking down a little on and trying to deter uh, physicians from prescribing. I think for me, uh, there's, you know, a, a, a personal bend in that, um, you know, we're debated the laws of the land. And, and I'm also taking an oath when I was a doctor to do no harm. And if I, if I can't comfortably feel that I'm not acting in my best patient's interest, um, that I really feel that 
uh, it's something that uh, I need to be honest and open about with my with my patients. Um, so uh, that's one of the things that I know my limitations as a doctor too, and I let patients know that you know for me to treat this, I may be doing a disservice because I know X, Y, or Z may actually be better for you. And so I think knowing your limitations is important, and I think that uh, doing no harm as a physician is important. And when it comes to marijuana, I, I personally don't can't answer that question with the amount of study that's on there. As far as breaking the law, according to this question, um, you know. It's it's a tough one because there, it is different, and I, I don't. It's not a great answer. <laughs> I don't. Okay, next question. Matt, you said it becomes hard to focus, but I know many people who function better when high. I knew we were going to get this question, and I'm glad Matt's up here to answer it for us. For example, a high school student got better grades. Okay, and what was his name or her name? Anybody? Uh, yes, that's true. So I think that when we when we we talk about why is it that some people have dif difficulty focusing, it can be for many different reasons. Some people focus because they have uh, an innate inability to really focus or have executive function or complex ability uh, to uh, to to organize, listen, and pay attention to things that are difficult to pay attention to. And everybody is on a continuum of this. And for some some people, this is so severe that they can't literally function in relationships, in families, in a, a school setting or a work setting, um, and uh, and have uh, gone to sort of medications to help them do so. Um, other people can't focus for very other reasons. Maybe they have dealing with chronic pain. Maybe they're dealing with depression. Maybe they're grieving. Maybe there's something, uh, uh, maybe they have anxiety that's uncontrolled. And, uh, and so there's various reasons why people can't focus. It's not such a simple thing as saying they have, you know, decreased concentration. So when somebody is using marijuana to sort of help them to focus, well, what are they exactly treating um, are they treated, and, uh, and are there other potential options to also help them that have uh, a little bit more uh, known benefit uh, and, you know, uh, and been studied? Okay. Next question. Is it okay for a Christian to use marijuana for general anxiety or depression, or should we rely on the spirit and prayer for comfort? Where do you draw the line? That's a really good question. Um, uh, we, we have all sorts of other antidepressant dr drugs that we have no trouble using as Christians, right? Or some of us uh, would say we don't have any trouble using it. But then the question about marijuana gets brought up. I think the question should probably be broadened to say, should we be using antidepressants? And, and should we be using uh, things to medicate ourselves for general anxiety uh, as well? Um, that's a really uh, challenging question. I think a lot of it has to do with Christian conscience and, and wisdom again. Um, there are certain chemical imbalances in our bodies that, that prescription drugs can help us with that are legal. And so then it comes down to a matter of conscience uh, in terms of whether or not to use them. Um, spirit and prayer for comfort are, are great. Uh, but there's a possibility that there's the argument that I've heard that God has also created uh, the the doctors and the pharmaceutical researchers who have been able to come up with ways that we can help our chemical imbalances as well by giving us prescription drugs. So I would say it's a, a question of conscience in that regard. How about you, Cody? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think one important thing to remember is if people are in a place where they are taking medications for a treatment, the medication itself it should be a kind of a 
a way to help us get to a place spiritually where we can deal with some of the spiritual implications. So that um, even from a Christian counseling standpoint or pastoral standpoint, I would say that that there are definitely hormonal imbalances, chemical imbalances in which medicine can help. But if all we're doing is treating it with medicine and not also doing some of the spiritual work, not also kind of uncovering some of the other things that are leading to this thing from a spiritual standpoint, then that's probably not a good use of just medicine in general with regards to kind of Christian counseling and, and psychology. And so I would say it's kind of both, you know, on the one hand, there's some people where spirit and prayer, obviously I'm never going to say you shouldn't rely on the spirit or go to prayer for comfort, but where kind of the use of certain medications can kind of balance you out to a point where you can even be sound enough of mind to participate in that kind of stuff. So, so it, it, it's dicey and it does come down to conscience. So what if people claim they experience God more deeply under the influence of marijuana, that the world drops away and they can see more clearly? Um, well, I, I think theologically, I, I mean, the, the truth is, on the one hand, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know, I can't be in their shoes and experiencing that for them. Um, I would say that if for us to experience God more clearly, the world has to drop away, then we have a bad understanding of God, um, first and foremost, that for us to interact with God, I, I think that we need to be deeply embedded in the world. We need to be deeply embedded with the problems uh, and, and kind of all the things surrounding us in the world. And so if uh, they can experience God more deeply, I would say that they're experiencing something, but I'm not sure if they're experiencing God more deeply. Paul talks uh, an awful lot in his writings, especially in Galatians, about false gospels, and um, this might be a false experience of God here. I just would caution you on that, and I'm saying that very seriously. I was talking to another pastor today who, um, uh, uh, he's, he's in a different denomination than ours, and it was the first time I'd met him. We were having uh, coffee together. At least I was having coffee. He was having water anyway, so he's more spiritual than I am, and um, he said that he, uh, he did a sermon once a few years ago where he got up in front of his congregation and he read the uh, creed of the Ku Klux Klan to his congregation, uh, the creed or the oath that you would take without telling them what it was. And he said, uh, how many of us can get behind this and agree with it? And every hand in the congregation went up. And then he said, this was the oath of the, the creed of the Ku Klux Klan. So, you know, we have to be very careful about deception, about what appears to be true, what appears to be real, and Paul writes an awful lot about that. So I got to tell you, I used to smoke pot. I thought I experienced some really marvelous things when I smoked pot, and I can tell you that it was, I was intoxicated, and it was not a real sense of reality, and I certainly didn't experience God, even though I thought I felt pretty good. Next question. There's a, okay, there we go. In Romans and many other places, the scriptures talk about renewing our mind with the word of God. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. If marijuana is indeed mind-altering, how can our conscience be free to participate in it recreationally? Well, I would agree. I would agree with that. So, Yeah, I mean, the only pushback I would say is we have to remember it, that term mind-altering. Everything that we put in our body is, in fact, mind-altering. And so harping on that word of mind-altering, I think, is a dangerous place to be as a Christian because everything 
We do caffeine. I mean, if I don't drink coffee in the morning, which, once again, this is not a good thing, but by one or two in the afternoon, I have a side-splitting headache. You know, caffeine affects my mind. You know, if I eat ice cream, it affects my mind. Everything affects your mind. And, and, and the line between intoxication and mind alteration is a different thing. And we're, we're, I think we need to be nuanced in our thing. But yes, in fact, if it, the mind alters us to a point in which we can't be responsible for us, I think we do have to show a lot of discretion there. So, Really disappointed you brought up ice cream. Next question. Gosh, I can't see that. Many Christians use alcohol on a very regular and recreational basis. Would you consider the side effects and dangers of alcohol to be less than that of recreational marijuana? Abuse of alcohol consumption leads to inability to make recreational, rational decisions, whereas marijuana use seems to rarely result in a complete lack of self-control unless the usage is very excessive. Would you consider that correct? <laughs> So, yeah, this, yeah, I should expect questions like this. These are, these are tough ones kind of putting me on the spot. I, I, I like it. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not my place to say, do I think that marijuana should be legal? Uh, do I think people should, 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 should use it? And, then, and, and I feel a little bit unfair saying kind of in, in, in trying to, you know, in answering these questions, trying to argue a position for or against. Um, I, I wanted to give you the specifics about, about marijuana, that it is addictive. Is it as addictive as alcohol? It's actually not. Uh, it is to teenagers. It's actually more addictive for teenagers. But it, alcohol addiction is about 15%, where it's 10% for marijuana, but it's upwards close to 20% for teenagers. And when I think about you know, these type of things, I think about what is the sort of uh, uh, effect uh, uh, on a scale uh, you know, for... Um, what is the, the, the wisdom that's, you know, used to sort of utilize these sort of uh, things? And um, I'm not answering this question well. <laughs> yeah, let me think about this one a little bit while you uh, have had a chance to think. Uh, first, let me, let me say that if we're talking about something that's illegal, then, then as Christians, we have a responsibility to the government, and I think that's the answer that we have there. We're, we're talking about this assuming that recreational marijuana will eventually be legal. So that's, that's the, the thing that we have to wrestle with. And God has not specifically commanded in his word not to do it. So that's why it's an issue that we have to wrestle with with, uh, uh, with wisdom. Having said that, I understand what you're saying there. And, and I agree with a lot of what's being asked in this question. Uh, Joe Carter for, for the Gospel Coalition wrote a really interesting essay about this where he would come down on the side of, of uh, saying he's against the recreational use of marijuana, but it's probably okay for a Christian to have a beer or two or a glass of wine uh, with dinner, and he uses the argument that uh, marijuana is, is considerably more intoxicating than, than, um, than liquor. But then he goes in, in the article, he specifically goes into saying that um, the legal uh, intoxication level for the average uh, adult for beer or a drink with two ounces of, of hard alcohol in it is four beers or four drinks. And when I read that, I was like, that's not true of me. Uh, I, I know that if I have 14 or 16 ounces of beer, I'm impaired. And that's, that's 
that's less, way less than two drinks. So trying to, to narrow down these standards of how much you can have and how much you can't have, that becomes a, a very problematic issue as well. And I know a lot of people who smoke marijuana who will say one hit off of a joint and they're impaired in, in a way that's, that's troubling. Okay, I had a chance to collect my thoughts, thank you. So basically the, the crux of the question here, would you say the side effects and dangers of alcohol are less than that of recreational marijuana? And I would say that they're both dangerous and it depends on the individual. For the 3% of people who smoke marijuana recreationally who go on to develop schizophrenia, I think it's more dangerous than alcohol. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's a tough argument to make a blanket statement. There are many, you know, the, one of the reasons that people don't, some people who have tried marijuana medically don't use it is because they have such adverse feeling sensations, uh, that sense uh, uh, from it. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of interesting, some of those side effects are the exact same reasons why people do use it medically. And, uh, and it's interesting also that uh, people who have had medical benefits from it have a, often have a long history of exposure to it recreationally. So that's why it becomes very difficult to kind of tease out, is it safe, is it unsafe? So someone who's naive to marijuana, especially someone who's very old, and especially someone who's very young, it actually may be more dangerous than alcohol. How was that? <laughs> All right, one more question, then we got to get out of here, okay? It's 8.02, we'll do one more. Since it's possible to drink in moderation, is it possible to smoke in moderation? Um, let's uh, roll some joints and find out. I, I, personally, I would answer that question no, but I know that there are going to be people who would say yes. So I, 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 that's a tough question. So. Yeah, I, I think with this, the, it's a loaded question, I, and I think illegality of a substance increases potency. Um, during, for example, during prohibition, uh, alcohol was 150% more potent than it was both before and after prohibition. Um, and so we talk about, is it possible to drink in moderation? Is, since it's possible to drink in moderation, is it possible to smoke in moderation? Maybe with the potency of the way marijuana is produced now, the answer would be no, but there's a high likelihood that as it becomes legal, the potency in it will shift and change, in which case we're going to have to ask a different question, which is why I think the better question we need to ask is how can we exercise wisdom in what we consume? Because I, I, I think that that question can be answered one way now, and in 10 years when it's become legal in most states and is highly regulated and, and, and has been kind of created in a different way to be able to kind of just the way we have alcohol, you have different proofs and different volume, alcohol volume content and stuff like that. I think you're going to have the same thing with regards to marijuana. And then that question is probably going to be asked, answered differently. Cody, why don't you uh, thank everybody yeah. and pray for I'd love to pray for us. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for coming. Um, Lord God, we, um, we seek you in all ways. Um, Lord, to uh, give us humility. Lord, grant us love 
in this regard. And more than anything, God, we ask you for wisdom. You've told us that if we ask for it, you will give it to us, Lord. And we ask you with regards to this instance, with regards to the conversations that we're gonna have with our coworkers and with family members and with our friends regarding marijuana, Lord, that you would give us deep, deep wisdom that is deeply informed by your spirit and by your word. God, and I pray that we would go and live out the gospel in all things, um, Lord, including the way we consume things. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, see you guys.